0: on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
1: Real love
0: is calling listen. Truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise.
1: For those of you who right now are going through something, I want you to hear that loudly and clearly. A majestic God cares about you. He cares about your life. He cares about your future. He cares about your marriage. He cares about that prodigal son or daughter. He cares about your mom and your dad. He cares about your health. He cares about everything that you're going through. A majestic God, the creator of the universe, cares about you.
0: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. Today, Pastor Gary will be explaining how no matter what is going on in our lives, God is still on His throne. God is sovereign and has ultimate authority and control over the universe. As believers, we can renew our minds in the fact that a majestic God cares about us. Since Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross and rose from the dead, we now have the greatest access in the universe to the throne of God. We sometimes take for granted this amazing benefit we've been given. Let's propose to boldly come before the throne of grace more often. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 8 for today's message titled, A Majestic God Cares About You.
1: God says here, from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. But what's the second part? What does that have to do with God's enemies to silence the foe and the avenger? Why does David insert that part as well about babies and the enemies of God? What do those things have to do together? Here's what they have to do together. Children are God's creation. Every child is a blessing from God. Whether that life was, quote, planned or not, that life is precious to God. And every life is precious to God from the womb to the tomb and must be protected. Every baby and every child is precious to the Lord. When a child comes into this world through the miracle of birth, it testifies to the majesty of God. When a baby cries, it testifies to the majesty of God. When a child laughs, it testifies to the majesty of God. What David is saying here is, even the innocent cries of a child sound like praise to the ears of God, and it drowns out all the noise of the enemies of God. Isn't this beautiful? Even the innocence of children testify to the majesty of God. They're placed here in this chapter because David is wanting us to know here that even children in their innocence, when they cry, when they laugh, just by virtue of their birth, all of it speaks to and testifies to the majesty of God. And children are often the ones with unjaded eyes and hearts that are usually first to really see who God is even before their cynical, skeptical parents because they have this childlike faith and this wide-eyed wonder about God and the universe. And their innocence is a wonderful testimony and an example to all of us of what it is just to trust God and to believe God. How wonderful and innocent children are. In fact, Jesus even said in Mark 10, 15, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. We have to humble ourselves like little children. Surrender ourselves to the majesty of God or we'll never really enter the kingdom of God Take a lesson from little kids. In fact, there were different times in the Bible where Jesus actually used children as Examples to adults in fact even to his own disciples You remember there are different occasions in the Gospels where his own disciples were bickering between themselves about who was the greatest You think you're the greatest? No, I'm the greatest. You know, and this was the a-team You know, what would the B team look like? This is the 12 that Jesus picked, and they're oftentimes arguing about who's the greatest. And in Matthew chapter 18, they actually go up to Jesus. I'll I'll read it to you. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They wanted to know. And they wanted to know because they wanted to know of themselves, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And in Matthew 18, verse 2, it says that Jesus then, in response to that question, called a little child, And had him stand among them. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And he says, therefore, whoever humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says to his disciples, guys, I'm paraphrasing. He says, guys, you think you're all that. You're not all that. And I just want to show you an example. A little child. He puts a little child right in front of him. He says, I want you to see this little child. See this little child right here? See the innocence, childlike faith, humility. If you don't humble yourself, you're never going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Take a note from the playbook of children that they are humble and they are wiser about the things of the kingdom than you guys are who are so full of yourselves. Now, children can serve to be a wonderful example. They will shame the enemies of God. People who are unbelievers who don't accept God because, in their wonder and in their innocence, they're able to receive and accept what we as adults have become too sophisticated to accept. What a wonderful example children are because they, there's no pretense with kids. You know, they're, they're, they're not all full of themselves, not yet. When they're still really little, they, they, they don't take themselves too seriously. They're not stuck on themselves. There's no pride. There's no pretense. They're not arrogant. They don't care that their socks don't match. They don't care they got mustard all over their face. They don't care they got boogers in their nose. They don't care. They're going to dig them out wherever they are, wherever they want to be. Because they just don't care. They're not self-conscious. Have you ever heard of a four-year-old girl asking, does this dress make me look fat? (laughs) A four-year-old girl hasn't hasn't even entered her mind yet. There's no four-year-old boy who hops up out of bed and is worried about bedhead. Mom's running around with a brush. Come here before you go out of the house. You're embarrassing me. But he doesn't care. He's a four-year-old boy. It's not until we grow up and get a little bit older. And then we start to get a little full of ourselves. We get a trophy. Whether we won or lost. (laughs) It's true. It's sad, but it's true. I remember the day when they only gave out trophies when you actually won something. You get a medal. You get some honor. You, 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 know, you score your first touchdown in, in peewee football. You know, and, and then all of a sudden, stuff starts to go to your head. You get a little notoriety. Stuff goes to your head. I can remember like it was yesterday when it went to my head for the first time, that I was aware of for the first time. I was 10 years old, fifth grade. Now, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but some of you are going to be able to relate to this story, okay? I remember, do you remember the day? How many of you remember the day when kids in elementary school served as patrols, like crossing guards. Let me see your hands. All right, look at all the people around you. Now listen, for those of you who are too young to remember what patrols were, I know this is a phenomenon, but I want you to hear me on this. It actually used to be that elementary school kids were the crossing guards. <laughs> Today they have deputy sheriffs.
0: <laughs>
1: Back in the day, it was fifth grade kids. Who would help control traffic and pedestrians across crossways. It was incredible. By the way, we didn't wear helmets riding bikes either.
0: It's crazy.
1: Helmets wearing Oh my goodness. And so I remember the day that I became a patrol and the patrol. And so if you were a patrol, you had this... This sash thing that went around over your shoulder and then fastened at your belt. So it was like one here and one that went over the shoulder. And it used to be like thick white cotton. And then they went to, they improved it and they went to a fluorescent orange. It was disgusting. (laughs) This plastic orange. But back in the day when when it was the white nice, oh, right across your chest, the patrol. And and they had actual ranks. They gave out ranks for patrols and badges. I mean, like real metal badges, like cops would wear. And so I remember the day they gave me the coveted captain's badge. (laughs) Captain's badge. And I had it was the highest rank you could get. And so I'd stand proudly at the crosswalk. All the little kids, all the kids younger than 10, right, are behind me. And I'm like, stop. Hold it, kids. Hold it. All right, you may go. Stop. Get thee behind me, little Satans. Now go. I milked that for all it was worth. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm somebody. And here's what happens. That begins to stick with you. And then you become an adult. And as an adult, then you think, I'm somebody. And I don't need God and I don't need Jesus, and my life's fine without all that stuff, and it's a crutch for some people, that's fine, but I got my life together. We're just grown-up patrols, that's all we are. (laughs) And it actually is a hindrance to a relationship with God because we think we're all that. David says, Note the majesty of God and the innocence of children. How they display in their innocence the wonder and the greatness of God and learn from their examples. You see, Jesus even quoted this very psalm because there were some adults who were so full of themselves and thought they didn't need Jesus. It's in Matthew chapter 21. Do you remember just before Jesus was crucified? On one of the occasions, he goes into Jerusalem in the temple of the Lord in the courtyard area. And it says that the children were shouting unto him, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. These little kids were recognizing that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. Because, see, in their innocence and in their wonder, they already understood what adults, because of their cynicism, did not accept. And it says in Matthew 21 that the religious leaders went to Jesus and they were indignant is the word that is used in the passage. And they say to Jesus, do you hear what these kids are saying to you? Do you hear that? And Jesus said, yes. Have you not read? Out of the mouths of babes come words of praise. And he quotes Psalm 8 verse 2. Out of the lips of children, God has ordained praise. Sometimes as adults we don't recognize the majesty of God because we're too full of ourselves. Well, David moves on from the majesty of God in in terms of uh, being reflected through uh, the magnificence of God's name and the innocence of children and he comes now to this third one and the last one to the evidence of creation. He says here in the, uh, the rest of this passage that God's majesty is reflected in the evidence of creation and his handiwork look at verse 3 david says when i consider your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place just pause there he says when i consider the moon and the stars. He doesn't even talk about all the other wonderful things about creation. He says, just, just think about the moon and the stars. When I consider the work of your fingers, that you have put these things in place. Oh, how it testifies to the majesty of God as creator of the universe. In Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen, Jeremiah says, Ah, sovereign Lord, Thou hast made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. God is creator. And irrespective of what public schools might teach in terms of a theory, and it is only that, I submit to you that an intelligent, open-minded examination of this universe in all of its vastness and complexities and grandeur will arrive at one single conclusion, that it is and only the result of one divine designer. God is created. Sir Isaac Newton, one of the most influential scientists of all time, who was the father of the law of motion and gravity and also the father of modern calculus, he wrote this one time, quote, This most beautiful system of the sun... Planets and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. This being governs all things, not as the soul of the world, but as Lord over all. And on account of his dominion, he is wont to be called Lord God, universal ruler, end quote. That's who he is. The Bible says that he has created all things. In Psalm 19, 1 and 2, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. David says, when I just consider, when I just contemplate, and I just think about a little bit of creation, the moon and the stars, just those things. He says, it testifies to the majesty of God. Here are some things we know about the moon and the Sun, which is obviously a star, the closest star to us, and other stars. The moon is 240,000 miles from the Earth. The moon continually orbits the Earth with clockwork precision, traveling around the Earth at 2,288 miles per hour. It completes its journey around the Earth in about 30 days, which is where we get the idea of a month on our calendars. If the moon were just a few degrees off, the world would be flooded with unrestrained tides. Consider the sun, the closest of the stars. It is 93 million miles from earth. It is 400 times the size of the moon, but it is also 400 times further away from the earth than the moon, which is the reason why both the sun and the moon to the naked eye looks like it takes up the same space in the sky. It has a surface temperature of 12,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And if the sun were just a few degrees closer, we would fry. And if it was just a few degrees further, we would freeze. It is right in place at the right spot. Consider stars. After the sun, the next closest star is 25 trillion miles away. There are an estimated 100 billion stars just in our galaxy of the Milky Way. In the 1990s, we thought that there were only 3,000 galaxies. That's what scientists thought. But then comes the Hubble Space Telescope and other more sophisticated instrumentation. And now, instead of thinking that there are roughly 3,000 additional galaxies, it is believed that there are more than 10 trillion galaxies. Each galaxy, on average, if it has the number of stars that the Milky Way has, 100 billion stars per galaxy... That translates to stars that are one with 24 zeros in the universe. That's how many stars it is estimated that there are. One with 24 zeros after it is actually called a quator <laughs> And here's what's interesting. In Psalm 147.4, it says that God determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. God knows the name of all those stars. Creation testifies to the majesty of God. Now, friends, don't don't lose it here because this is the pivotal point in Psalm chapter 8. David gets through saying, these three testify to the majesty of God. The magnificence of your name, the innocence of children, the evidence of creation, all these things testify to how majestic and great and glorious that you are. So then, he asks a question. It's verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You hear what David is saying. He says, God, you are so majestic. You are so great. You are so brilliant. And you are so splendid. And you are so wonderful in all your ways. How is it that you care about me? How is it in all of your greatness and all of your majesty, you actually are concerned about me? What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? This is staggering to David. It is the question here that is pivotal in this chapter. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? How is it possible, God, that in all of your greatness, you actually care about me? You know how much God cares about you? I want you to be in awe of his majesty. That's the first part of this chapter. That's what David wants us to grasp too, is the majesty of God. But you know what? In some ways, in some ways, That's not as amazing. Here's what I mean. Even the Bible says, the greatness of God no one can fathom. It is so incredible, we can't even wrap our minds around it. But juxtaposed to that, David comes along and says, but here's here's what I do get. What I do get is, in relation to your incredible majesty, what amazes me is that you would care about me. And it isn't that... David is saying, well, that's just because we're little peons and God, you know, compared to his greatness, which which we are, obviously, in a sense. But David goes on to say, no, 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 you created man in your image, and then you crowned him, that's the rest of the verse, you crowned him with glory and honor, and then you gave him dominion over all the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and the creatures of the earth. David says, God, you love us so much that you crowned us with glory and honor, you gave us dominion over the earth. Okay, take note, PETA people. P-E-T-A, right? Everybody's so concerned about animals. We had dominion over those things, right? P-E-T-A, doesn't it stand for people eating tasty animals, I think? That's the way I, that's the way I define it. Dominion, baby, dominion. Anyway... In, in all of this, David is like, "This, this is so, this is so mind blowing." He says, "You, God, are majestic in all your, oh Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth? You are wonderful and great and powerful." But you care about me. For those of you who right now are going through something, I want you to hear that loudly and clearly: a majestic God cares about you. He cares about your life. He cares about your future. He cares about your marriage. He cares about that prodigal son or daughter. He cares about your mom and your dad. He cares about your health. He cares about everything that you're going through. A majestic God, the creator of the universe, cares about you. This is an awesome chapter. The Bible says in different places, I'll read a few verses. Nahum 1, verse 7. The Lord is good a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in Him. Psalm 55, 22, Cast your cares on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. First Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that He might lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on the Lord because He cares for you. A majestic God cares about you. Psalm 8 May you be awed by the majesty of God but may you be equally amazed that that majestic God cares about everything concerning you. What is man that you are mindful of him? the son of man that you care for him. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen.
0: We're so glad you joined us for Pastor Gary's message today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching in the book of Psalms and that God is whispering the words of comfort and strength to your heart. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you can hear all of Pastor Gary's messages through this book, as well as the entire Bible. Be sure to check out the companion resources while you're there, found under the Teachings tab. These digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done and are available free of charge to you at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about how God is working in your life. Feel free to join the conversation on our Facebook page or check out what's going on at Cornerstone Connection on Twitter or Instagram. We're here to chat with you in person too. So give us a call at 703-771-1500. Let us know how we can be praying for you that number again is 703-771-1500. That's all we have time for today. Pastor Gary will have much more to share from his verse-by-verse study through Psalms when you join us again, right here on Cornerstone Connection.
1: They say you're a wandering soul That you've got
0: no place to go But still you know you're not a...